today I would like to look at the word holy, which I'm going to suggest is the most misunderstood word in the Bible. The word holy. I'm going to start with a couple of stories. A number of years ago, I was asked to speak at a Christian organization. And before I spoke, we had half an hour or so of worship that was focused on God's holiness, songs praising God for his holiness. And all the songs and prayers were directing us to this. And it really was a wonderful time of praise and worship. It really blessed my heart. And there was nothing wrong with the songs, assuming you know what holy means. And when I came to speak, I expressed how blessed I was by the, the, the time of praise and asked people to share what it meant for, for God to be holy. And um, more than half the people said they weren't really sure. Some said it, they thought maybe it meant shining brightly. And some um, said it, they thought it was to do with purity. And um, some said they thought it meant that God didn't sin at all. Um, but not a single one gave the biblical answer. That's my first story. And I'm, I'm going to suggest that that would not be uncommon today. There's such a misunderstanding about this word. So my second story is, uh, again, a while ago, I had the opportunity of hearing a world-famous theologian speak. And in his lecture, he said that God's holiness means he has to punish sin. He cannot see sin without punishing because of his holiness. But he didn't give a biblical reference uh, to support this. And afterwards, I spent hours trying to find some biblical reference to support that. And I wasn't able to find something that said this. What I came up with it was that it was his justice that led him to punish sin and his purity which kept him from sin. So what does the Bible say actually about this? Is holiness the opposite to sin, as many would suggest? So I'm going to have three points this morning. First, we're going to ask, what does it mean for God to be holy? And we're going to work towards a definition. Then I'm going to show this from Old Testament examples that this definition is right. And then we're going to end by very briefly looking at holy places, objects and people, including what it means for us to be holy. So what does it mean for God to be holy? <clears throat> um, with modern languages, people have compiled dictionaries. So if we want to find out what a word means, we can look it up in the dictionary. But in ancient Hebrew, we don't we aren't able to do that. We we just have to see how the word Kadesh, which is the word for holy, how that is used in the Bible. And um, to, to show um, how far off the mark we are, if we define holy as being sinless, um, I'm going to give an example of the use of this word. And this example is a story in the life of Jacob and his son Judah. And Judah had fallen into sin with a prostitute and needed to find her again. And this is in Genesis 38. 
And Judah asked the men of the place, where is the religious prostitute? And the Hebrew word used for religious prostitute in this, this net, the, the word that Judah uses is the Hebrew holy woman, literally holy woman. Where's the holy woman who was in Enaim at the roadside? And they know he's talking about a prostitute. They say, no holy woman has been here. And that was one of the names for prostitutes in in the Old Testament, those who were, who were dedicated to uh, a religious uh, prostitution. Um, so the Hebrew language uses the same word in its female form to describe this career as it does for God's holiness. So quite obviously, the word can't mean purity. And I'm going to show, I'm going to argue that actually the idea here is total commitment. That is why you can apply it to this particular person in the story. Um, so I give this example really as a negative one to show how totally inappropriate it is to use um, pure as a meaning for holy. Whatever holy means, it's not associated with purity. So let's look at a more positive example, shall we, about how the word is used. And um, this is from Hosea chapter 11. And this is a situation, I'll give you some background. The northern kingdom, when the nation had split into two, the northern kingdom, which is um, called sometimes Ephraim, which is the largest tribe, sometimes it's called Israel, this kingdom were bent on sinning and turning away from God. And in the Hosea 11, God speaks to them and God says, the more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. My people are bent on turning away from me. This is what God says about them. So what's he going to do? What is God going to do about this northern kingdom who just keep turning away from him? Well, we discover that there's one thing that keeps God from destroying them because of their sin, and that's his holiness. Well, that might sound strange to us with our definition, but this is what God says. Let's read it. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. Why not? What's the characteristic? What is the part of God that prevents him destroying these people because of their evil? Because I'm God, not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. This is extraordinary because God defined one characteristic about himself, his holiness. Just one thing, it's the only thing he says about himself here um, is that he's holy. That is what keeps him from destroying these people, even though they were so sinful. So uh, when I first began studying this subject, this was a wake up call for me that you know, maybe I completely misunderstood this word, maybe even got the opposite meaning to what I was thinking it meant. Um, so this uh, goes 
directly against what many people uh, have been taught on the subject of holiness. Um, I recently read a paper by a leading Bible translator, who, and he works in newly discovered languages. And he was talking about how you learn what words to use when you're translating. And he says the way you do this is you tell a story to the native speaker and then you ask them what word they would use in that story to describe it. So, for example, here's a story that he might tell uh, when he's trying to translate the Bible into their own language. Um, the house was on fire. Flames were coming from the roof. Smoke from the windows. The parent realized that one of the children was stuck inside. In spite of their own danger, they rushed inside and rescued the child. What word would you use to describe this parent? Well, the native speaker might say, well, equivalent in English might say brave or loving or utterly committed to those they loved. Well, he says that actually is what it means to be holy. That actually, that's how you find out the native word for holiness in that language. You tell that story, whatever the word they come up with, that's the word you use for holy when you translate it into their language. Wow, that is so different to how we understand the word. <clears throat> so he says, when God behaves like that, God is described as being holy. <clears throat> so the ultimate example, of course, if this is how we find the word holy, what's the ultimate example of God being holy? You know, if we think of the parent rushing into the house and rescuing the child, you know, a great sacrifice, what's the ultimate example of that? Well, of course, you're probably thinking it's Jesus' death on the cross for us. And uh, John 17 it uses that language. Jesus uses exactly that language. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And for you, for their sake, I am totally committed. Now, actually, the word is holy. Your translation probably says sanctified or committed or something like that. But actually, the Greek word there is holy. For their sake, I am holy. That they also may be holy in truth. And this this is we're going to see later on how this fits in with how we reflect God's holiness. But this is very clear here. <laughs> this is the ultimate example of God's holiness was Jesus Christ committing himself with huge cost to saving us. Um, this Bible translator, um, he in, in the paper that I read by him was complaining about the, the, just the distortions of this word. And uh, this is what he wrote. And the paper is called Towards a Better Understanding of God's Holiness, Challenging the Status Quo. And it was published. His name's Andrew Case. It was published in 2017 in the journal The Bible Translator. And um, he wrote, for a long time, there has been considerable confusion regarding the meaning of the word holy. For the limited scope of this paper, we will focus on this confusion and its development within the English-speaking world, which has a widespread influence in other countries. So unfortunately, not only just English do we have a problem word here, but it's spread to other countries as well. 
And some of the examples that I'm going to give you in a minute were ones that uh, he he brought up in this paper. <clears throat> so next time I speak on this, and I realized that there was too much to get into one sermon, so it's going to be broken up. But next time I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how this misunderstanding came into our our English language and our English theology. <clears throat> but first of all, I'm going to give you the Andrew Case's definition of God's holiness, which I think is a pretty good one. His definition <clears throat> is his total commitment, especially commitment to his people. God's holiness is his total commitment, especially his commitment to his people. So uh, this is a good working definition. Now, the next time I'm going to show there are some aspects that are not completely included in this we need to broaden it in some other ways because it's used a little bit more broadly in the in the scriptures but uh, i would say definitely this is a good working definition a good core definition for for what it means <clears throat> so as we trying to to understand what this word means um i've given you this definition and now i'm going to need to support this i've just thrown it out there, but I'm going to need to show that this is from the Old Testament by giving you some examples, and then we'll broaden it out for the last point. So let's look at some examples. And we we looked uh, a while ago at Hannah and her prayer, and her, Hannah's prayer includes this idea. Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted high because of the Lord. I loudly denounce my enemies, for I am happy that you delivered me. So Hannah was mocked because she didn't have any children. But she cried to God and God heard her and gave her a child, which was the boy Samuel. And we have this wonderful prayer where she praises God for giving her, for hearing her prayer. So what actually is it about God that caused him to hear her prayer and give her this child. What? How does she explain it? No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one like other. No one other than you. There is no rock like our God. So, in other words, God's holiness is like Him being a rock, a rock you can rely on, a rock that's trustworthy, a rock that is faithful. This is the word that she used to describe the God who heard her and answered her prayer. Now, we're going to look at quite a few psalms because the psalms really, they're praising God. And one of the things they praise God for is his holiness. And they're quite explicit about what it is that his holiness means. So Psalm 22. Yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. In Hebrew poetry, which, of course, the Psalms are made up of, we have what's called parallelism, where we have two lines, paired, usually paired, that, that parallel one another. And they very often say the same thing, but using different words. And that's how Hebrew poetry works. And so... When you see one line, often one line is using um, maybe metaphor or more complex words and the other explains it in a very practical, concrete way. So you are holy, 
enthroned in the praise of Israel explains the, you know, the, the lofty language. But what does that mean? It means, God's holiness means, in you our fathers trusted and you delivered them. That's what it looks like for God to be holy. <clears throat> Psalm 30. You're going to get quite a few psalms this morning because I really want you to get this. I don't want you to be in any doubt. I don't want you to say, oh, you know, Andrew said this idea about holy. I don't know whether it's true. I want the Bible to convey this to you. Sing to the Lord, you faithful followers of his. Give thanks to his holy name. Okay, so what does that mean? For his anger lasts only a brief moment and his good favor restores one's life. One may experience sorrow during the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's why we sing praise to him. This is his holy name. This describes his name. His good favor restores one's life. <clears throat> Beautiful reference in Psalm 60. Deliver by your power and answer me so that the ones you love may be safe. Now, you're probably getting the idea by now, so you're going to guess what word's going to appear in the next line, and you would be right. God has spoken in his holiness. I will triumph. And then he goes on to say, describe how God's going to give him triumph. So God's delivery is his holiness. The ones he, he makes the ones he loves safe because he is holy. Uh, Another one that I, I love this one because this one has got the word chesed in it, which I've preached about before. Chesed is God's loyal love, God's love that will never let you go. God's love that will hold on to you. And of course, you've probably realized there's a connection between that and his holiness. I will not remove my loyal love, my chesed from him, nor be unfaithful to my promise. I will not break my covenant or go back on what I have promised. Why? Why is God like this? What's behind this? Once and for all, I have vowed by my own holiness. I will never deceive David. That's just so lovely. That's, that's just packing those things together. It's just so beautiful. It's just so lovely. I love that. So let's go on then to um, the next psalm I want to look at, which is Psalm 98. Psalm 98, very simple. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm have worked salvation for him. You couldn't get clearer than that. What part of God's character was behind working salvation? His holiness, that's what has worked salvation. A um, couple more Psalms. Psalm 105, they asked for food and he sent quails. He satisfied them with food from the sky. This is talking about God's faithful protection of the Israelites as they traveled through the wilderness. He opened up a rock and water flowed out. A river ran through dry regions. Yes, he remembered the holy promise 
he made to Abraham, his servant. Not just a promise, a holy promise, which means a promise that he would not break. He would be faithful to it. The last psalm I want to look at, um, actually it's, it's the second to last, but the last, the last I want to look at briefly. He delivered his people. He ordained that his covenant, his covenant be observed forever. His name is holy and awesome. So those are a string of psalms just showing how the, the holiness of God is paralleled so often with his faithful delivering his people, his faithfulness to his promises. Uh, quote from Isaiah now, and then I have one more reference to the Psalms to sum everything up. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 49. This is what the Lord, the protector of Israel, their Holy One says, to the one who is despised and rejected by nations. So you notice in verse 7, the protector of Israel, their holy one. Those two are put together. The protector is the holy one. That's what it means to be holy. And then he's going to expand on that. Kings will see and rise in respect because of the faithful Lord, the holy one of Israel, who's chosen you. So um, you are despised, you're rejected, but don't worry, God's holy. God will, he's chosen you and he will make you uh, respected and kings will see and rise because of my faithfulness. So I'm going to give you one more reference to sum up everything. And this is a, it's another psalm, but it's, I'm going to do this a little differently because this is a quite, quite special the psalm, it's Psalm 145, and it begins with a statement and it ends with an almost identical matching statement. This is something that's done often in, in Hebrew. The technical name for it is inclusio, but it means kind of the outsides include, they're included in this frame. The beginning of, of it starts by saying, bless your name forever and ever. At the end, it says, bless your holy name forever and ever. So something has happened between the beginning and the end, which has added the characteristic holy to God. And actually, like, it just, it's just giving me goosebumps just to like think of these words. And I, when it, I'm sure when you see them, it's going to just speak to you because this is like, if you want to give a like sum up the word holy, we have it here. So we gave a very short definition of holy at the beginning of this section you know it's god the way he's totally utterly committed to us to to saving us to his promises to us well now this is the long definition of holy and it is just so moving and beautiful so here it is and i'm just going to pick some of the verses i'm not going to go through every verse here um, the lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast that's chesed love the lord this is this is holiness the lord is good to all it's another word the lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down that's another aspect of his holiness the eyes of all look to you and you give them food in due season another thing that god's holiness compels him to do the lord is kind 
in all his words. Holiness is kind. The Lord is near to all who call on him. That's what holiness means. He also hears their cry and saves them. And that's holiness. And then the last one, the Lord preserves all who love him. And then it ends, bless his holy name forever and ever. This is just such precious to me. Uh, just seeing this, seeing this wonderful description laid out of all these characteristics which lead to David adding holy to the end of this psalm as he sums up this wonderful characteristic of God. You know, it grieves me the way this word has been misunderstood. It grieves me because when it's, it's missing, it's cheating God out of this extraordinary characteristic that's central to who he is. And we've cheated him by giving it some other meaning, um, which, which is and losing the richness of this meaning. And when we say holiness is so core to who God is, and we don't know what that means, or we've got some some misunderstanding. It's so we're so losing this richness of God. So I just I just want you to feast your eyes on these words here and think. God God defines Himself as this. This is this is just so so important. It's just so moving to to uh, to see the importance of this characteristic of God. So I'm going to say very sadly. This is the most misunderstood word in the Bible. Very sadly. Um, we've looked at what it means. I've shown you these examples for the Old Testament. And now I'm going to bring as our third point, holy places, objects and people. Oh, um, this is a, a big topic. And I'm only going to very, very briefly look at these because they do deserve more unpacking, and uh, this is going to be more than one sermon. So uh, let's just look what I mean by this. Holy places, objects, and people. Places like the Holy of Holies in the, the, the tabernacle and the temple, which was the very middle bit, and the Holy City, which Jerusalem was called. There's other, there's other places that are called holy. What does that mean? What's it about? Like, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, he said, this is holy ground. What does that mean? So places can be holy. Objects can, can be holy. Like the Ark of the Covenant was holy. There were bowls used in worship. There was incense. There was even bread that was the holy bread. What does that mean that things can be holy? Um, then a, a very, very important topic is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you a... a a, uh, a heads up here that it turns out it's the same as as God as the Old Testament reference of God. We're going to say the same thing, but it's a very good question. We often talk about the Holy Spirit, and we don't see why is He called the Holy Spirit. What does that mean that He's the Holy Spirit? Obviously, this is important, and it's a question so rarely asked. So we're going to give some attention to that and show like how this word is used in the in the New Testament to describe Him. And then, of course, people, the priests were described as holy. The nation of Israel were described as holy. And, of course, you may not realize, you may not know, but the word saints literally means holy ones. So if you're a Christian, you're a holy one. You're holy. Well, what does that mean? You might say, I don't feel very holy. 
What does that mean? Well, this is this is what it's used. Uh, saints literally means holy ones. Um, so, uh, the, and there are some difficulties in here. Um, in these in these topics that I put on here, there are some difficulties. We they need to be done justice, and I can't do it in the short time we have left. So I'm just going to do one thing right now as we close. I'm going to look at what it means for us to be holy just very briefly. And I'm going to spend more time on that later as well. But I didn't think it would be fair for me to give you this message and not give you any way of responding to it. Uh, because we do have some commands, like the one in First in Peter chapter 1, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What does this mean? And it wouldn't be fair of me to leave this topic without at least beginning to address this subject. So I'm going to say something very simple about this. <clears throat> um, uh, of course, um, there is a connection between holiness, us being holy and keeping from sin. I will get, talk more about that. It's There is a connection there. But I'm going to tell you what I think the core idea is between us being holy. Um, remember earlier we talked about how you tell a story in order to get a word? Well, let me tell you a story. Let's imagine the story is about someone training for the Olympics. And this person, every every piece of food they put into their body is is measured, it's calculated, it's it's planned. Every hour of rest they have, every piece of exercise they have as the time runs up to the Olympics. How would you describe the person that's so focused on that goal? Well, you probably guess I'm going to say holy, because the holiness is the focus on that goal. And so what I'm going to say is that um, becoming a Christian, of course, is Jesus becomes your Lord. You know, you 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 offer your life to him. Um, and so may, um, making Jesus your Lord means that you dedicate your life, your life to him. Now, if we, listen, if we look at what Jesus says to those who wanted to follow him, he says things like, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He says, if, if you follow me, I will give you a new life. You need to lay down your life and I will give you a new life. And so uh, you lose your own commitment to yourself and you gain his commitment to you. So in a nutshell, this is my last slide. In a nutshell, I want to sum this up. Be holy. Be passionately dedicated and 100% committed to God. And if you want this in a quick phrase, God is 100% committed to you. So be 100% committed to God. And in a nutshell, that's what it means to be holy. 
Well, I I hope you've been blessed by this study because it's been such a blessing to me. And uh, I feel that we need to keep hold of this. And I I just pray that this message won't be just something that, that that you enjoy but fades from you. I pray that this will be something that stays with you and and changes you as you grasp this aspect of God that is core to his character, that's central to how he defines himself. So let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Father, that you are so committed to us. You are so faithful to us. Your promises are so secure and that you delight in this aspect of your character. You glory in it. You make it central. And Lord, we pray that just as you're committed to us, that we will be committed to you. Thank you, God, for this wonderful revelation of your character to us, your holiness. Thank you. And thank you, Jesus, for showing this holiness and coming and dying on the cross for us. Amen.